Welcome to episode 1075 of The Sleep on the Bus. I'm Justin Mason. Joined as always on Sundays by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? It's been a few Sundays. How are you? I know. Hey, man. Oh, I'm, I'm doing all right. Oh, how was your time off? It wasn't bad. Uh, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I had to drive home from New Orleans, which was not great. Uh, the only upside is I got to go to Whataburger twice on that drive home. So that was cool. But nice. yeah, yeah, the, yeah it's, there's nothing like being at the House of Blues uh, on a Wednesday night or th- Tuesday night for a concert and then looking at your phone as you get an alert. Hey, your flight's been canceled. I'm like, son bitch. So step outside and I'm like, okay, let me, uh, nope, that, that, here, for it, you know, that flight's full, rebook, and it shows up Friday. I'm like, I, I can't stay in New Orleans two extra days. You know, my family was already on vacation in Myrtle Beach. I told them I'd be flying there to meet them there Wednesday. So I'm like, like you know what? I'm, uh, and so that's what I did. 14 hours, multiple podcasts, and a couple audiobooks, and uh, I, I made it. <laughs> and uh, then I had to wake up the very first thing the next morning because my wife left one of my daughter's dance outfits here in Charlotte. And so I had to get back in the car and drive two-thirds of the way back because my mom met me. Uh, and so, yeah, after driving 1,150-something miles, about 18 hours, I don't recommend doing that ever yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't sound like fun at all. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. mind driving, but that's that's a bit far for me. I, I didn't even in my young days. Like, I mean, I drove, I drove to what stock night for college, but we stopped in Raleigh halfway because all the Palooza was there. It's because thanks, Dad. Um, his company was the corporate sponsor of the amphitheater, so we had great seats. Went to went to a lot of the Palooza. Uh, so we broke that drive up, but I have never done that much driving in one single day because uh, I was pretty much mush the next two days. Nothing, <laughs> no brain, nothing. I was just like, I'm just going to sit around and be lazy. Uh, so what we're going to do now is uh, we're going to talk about some fab today. We've got a, a, a fair amount of guys that are pretty interesting for fab. Uh, but first, let's talk some rays because that's what uh, we need to do today. Unfortunately, Wonder Franco has got a broken hammy bone. Uh, which means he's likely going to miss, I didn't even see what the timeline, six to eight weeks. Um, (laughs) He's droppable now in in pretty much all formats where you can't reserve him, right? So those of you who are looking at video, see my Devil Rays bat, Louisville Slugger, Devil Rays logo. That's what it feels like right now. Uh, So anyhow, with... You know, we were talking before we started recording. I have him in NFBC and no, uh, sorry, in my TGFBI and my Rotowire OC. Uh, I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna have to drop in, in Rotowire OC. I just don't have. I'm still trying to chase things, and I'm pretty much probably gonna have to drop him in, in both. Uh, and one of the things I want to look at later um, is, and I've reached out to a couple of people because I want to get a list on this. You know, it's like the the articles, the stuff that I've read because I did read a couple of pieces this morning, medical pieces that talk about the return rate. Uh, I saw Dr. Jesse Morse on Twitter saying like six to eight weeks and they can be back to play. The medical journal stuff I was reading, uh, someone was saying three to six weeks. Um, But to me, there's, and we've talked about this often with injuries, there's being back from injury and there's being back to your level of performance for injury. And And with Franco who already wasn't hitting for enough power, you know, that time off with that type of injury could, uh, you know, could further sap that. And then, then he becomes and just a singles hitter, you know, or, you know, possibly some down the line double stuff. So that's a possibility. So I'm looking for a list of guys that have had that surgery recently. And I'm going to look at return date plus four weeks. That's about what, I mean, we're really looking at, if you're going to hang on the Franco, you're looking at September. That's what you're looking at uh, for him to play. Uh, and so, well, I want to turn date plus four weeks looks like for the body of, of guys that have had that surgery um, before I make a final call. Um, and I'm hoping to get that data today so I can just say, hey, look, here's what I found. Here's the sample size, 40 hitters. This was their average, their, their average weighted on base average uh, for the four weeks. Use it as your own judgment. Uh, but I'm le- strongly leaning towards dumping them uh, in, in reset leagues because I don't uh, – it sucks. Yeah, it really does, because one of the things, and I don't know if, you know, correlation, causation, whatnot, but again, video-wise, there was just something before one of the games, I was watching one of the broadcasts, it may have been, uh, 
Wednesday or the Friday game, but Arrestus Estrada was talking about how Franco had just recently started leaving his, his top hand on his swing because he was, you know, he was releasing the top. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, he was in the top hands, you know, kind of like, you know, us old schoolers, Robin Ventura, um, Walt Herniak, the old hitting instructor that, that would teach that that follow through. Right. So Franco was just recently starting to leave both hands on the bat as and, and as he would swing. Uh, and, you know, I hope. That wasn't on. It's just like it happens. And and one of the other medical things I was reading, it is the second most prevalent injury for hitters. You know, next to the the thumb UCL tear. Um, but this hand bone is there. It's you know they take it out. The only way to fix it is to take it out. That's it. Yeah, and unfortunately, one of the repercussions is kind of a uh, a loss of power early on in the return. Yep. Right. We've seen this that's with, with a number call. of guys and. Um, I think at this point he has to be dropped in in most leagues where you can't reserve him. And even in some leagues where you can reserve him, uh, he probably should be dropped. If you're talking about a guy who probably had like 15 homer power at this point anyways, and now you're looking at at least probably now he's more like a single-digit guy, so you're talking about two or three more home runs the rest of the way once he does come back. Um yeah, unfortunately, anybody who's out for a month or two at this point is droppable. Well, um, yeah, and the other thing is, you know, between the quad injury that he's had to play through and this, it's pretty fair just to label him a fantasy bust this year. I mean, absolutely. That's, it is. It, it's what he has been. Uh, when he has played, you know, he had a great start to the season. Then the legs started bothering him. He tried to play through that, then came back, then got healthy. Now he's going to be missing a significant amount of time. Yeah, you know, he's been a fantasy bus, so you can start getting your your article drafts ready and just save them. You can write that in the off season. Uh, the only other strategy I, I could recommend here is if you are in a keeper league uh, and the guy who has Juan Franco is in contention, there may not be a better buying window for him. Uh, you know, if you could like if you if you're rebuilding your team, you have the assets. Look at that other team and say, hey, you know, you need you don't have a healthy replacement on there. Uh, and maybe Fab ran tonight. You know, I'm bringing this up as an example because in my home league, the guy who's in second place has Wander Franco. He has no backup for him, nothing. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm trying to put an offer in to get not Wander Franco because he's not going to let him go, um, but somebody else off his team because I'm going to, in that same trade, propose Jonathan VR, who I have, and this guy needs speed uh, as well, and VR is playing. So it's like I'm trying to package up VR to get something else. But look at the guy in your, in your keeper league who's got Franco. See if you can possibly get something for him or get something else on that roster uh, because you have a, a replacement player for Franco's spot on that other team. So, you know, it's still there's still time to play for next year uh, while doing something for yourself now. Yeah, I think he's just a really difficult person to trade for, unfortunately. I mean, he's still has, you know, uh, top-tier uh, prospect pedigree. Oh, yeah. um, but ask, right? If, if, a, if, a, if a team is desperate enough, they will make moves if they're trying to win a championship. So uh, you, you always check in with those, uh, with those teams that lose a guy like that. Uh, the Rays are going to bring up Jonathan Arnada. Did I say I don't know if I said that Aranda. right. Aranda. Um, any interest in him because he's looking like he could have some real playing time moving forward. All right, so let's put it this way. The Rays are bringing up everybody. They have four guys coming up today uh, because we've got some other ones to talk about, but I want to reference this particular tweet. Uh, let's see. We have 19 of the 28 players from the opening day roster have have hit the IL at some point this year. The only nine who have not, Jason Adam, Randy Rosarena, Jalen Beeks, Corey Kluber, Shane McClanahan, Brett Phillips, Harold Ramirez, Taylor Walls, and Matt Whistler. That's it. Those are the only guys who have not yet go down. You've noticed if you heard the knocking when I said McClanahan, do not mess up the 2022 mm -hmm. young pitcher because that's what he is. Uh, and he's going to win it unless something drastically goes wrong in the second half. But the guys, you know, we, I've said it a few times on this show, 2018 Blake Snell, that's what we're seeing this year with, uh, uh, with uh, McClanahan. So uh, with Aranda, the the issue, and J.J. Cooper had tweeted about this, uh, so I want to point the credit towards his way, but he talked about one of the best bat-to-ball players in the minor leagues because uh, he said, you know, a lot of talk has happened, a lot of 
a lot of attention has been given to Luis Arias. Well, you're not going to make much of a list in the minor leagues without talking about Jonathan Ronda as one of the best pure hitters in the minor leagues. The problem with Jonathan Ronda is much like Luis Arias, uh, Luis Arias, he doesn't have a great defensive home uh, because he doesn't have great range, uh, doesn't have great arm, you know, the, the Durham, you know, and throughout the system, all he has done is hit but they haven't really found a great home for him. And when he did come up briefly already this season and played second base, there were a couple of plays where you could see the limited range. So that's going to be the challenge is like they need hitting. You know, he could come up, he could hit. Uh, it's like, where are they going to play him? Because, you know, Brandon Lau is on a rehab assignment. He did get hit in the head. Thanks a lot, Stephen Mass, asshole. Uh, so, you know, he's he's delayed a little bit uh, with that. But when, when Brandon Lau comes back, do they put Lau at second base and say, Aranda, thanks for coming up again, but you're going down. So uh, there should be some interest in single leagues. I just don't know uh, in a mixed league, it may be a week-by-week week play. But again, that that defensive lim- uh, limitations are going to limit his time in a lineup that prioritizes defense. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I think in a 15-team mixed league, he could be somewhat viable if you're just looking for a guy to help boost your batting average. Um, in the short term, like you said, because I think there is likely a chance he gets sent right back down once Lau is back. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer out. I don't think this is surprising or super fantasy relevant. You have anything to add? Uh, it's the same hip injury again. Uh, the post game interview uh, was he was not happy uh, about how. I mean, he just basically he got on base and then he was like, I don't feel right. And it's just nagging. And so you, you hope that it's potentially just, you know, a couple of weeks with the all-star break built in. He can come back after the break. But I don't know. Uh, you know other than that, I don't know. Right now, today, Brett Phillips is getting the playing time. Brett Phillips is, should have been cut off the roster a while ago. Uh, but he's on it, and he's getting the playing time right now. So um, that's really it. I mean, Kiermaier has shown a little bit of uh, power upside this year compared to previous years. Uh, but it's, you know. Than that it's it's the this may be what the third time in two seasons with the hip problem and that's becoming problematic and that's not going to get any better with age how aggressive do you think the rays are going to be at the trade deadline i mean this is a team that they're clearly not going to catch the yankees no one's going to but they are tied with um or they're half a game behind the red sox and a game above the blue jays in the wild card race um do you think they're going to be aggressive at the trade deadline and maybe add some pieces to kind of fill in where all of these holes in that right now are? Yeah. Um, you know, historically they have been very conservative at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. They've never done. Well, let me, let me rewind a little bit. They have historically never done what the fan base uh, and those of us who follow the team closely would like them to do. Then last year they went out and did exactly what, we wanted them to do, and it was disappointing in return. So it's like, okay, you know, so like the the, the Betancourt uh, acquisition makes makes a ton of sense. You know, so I could see them playing on the margins, but uh, being aggressive, I, I don't know. I mean, they they have some pitching workload that they need to manage, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. So they could make a move for one of those things. But starting pitching, going out and getting starting pitching right now, and playing in that. Frankie Montas or uh, who's the other piece of the market that I'm looking at? I just traded the guy recently. I forgot who I was, who I was talking about. But the, the starting pitching market is going to be tough to make, to make those kind of moves. And so the price is going to be a premium. So I don't see them making that. I can see them playing on the margins, looking for some types of guys. But I would be, you know, I've said it for a while, that I'd be surprised to see Vidal Brujan on this roster by the trade den- after the trade deadline. Uh, he's the kind of player uh, may want to try to see what they can, you know, what they can make of him. Uh, I've frankly been disappointed with what he's done at the major league level. Let's talk about that Christian Bedford uh, trade. Um, is this just adding depth, or is this just, a, or is he a useful player still in fantasy? Well, uh, Mike Zanino is nowhere close to returning. Uh, yeah. You know, that's the thing. And Renee Pinto is. Uh, is organizational depth, uh, and they've had to play him more than they should, which has put Francisco Mejia behind the plate more often than he should play. Mejia is a is not a full time catcher, uh, so Betancourt has shown some offensive upside. You look at the Statcast measures; even the team tweeted about it. You know, flexible player that shows a lot of hard contacts. 
Um, and so that's what that's what Betancourt has done. It's a great story considering the guy originally came up as a catcher, then tried to pitch uh, and, and changed organizations and then was out of, out of organized baseball for a bit, came back with Oakland this year and has made something of himself. Uh, so, you know, he's got catcher first base flexibility, but I don't see I, – I really would be surprised to see him do anything but catch uh, while he's here. So, AL only format. He's already on AL only rosters. Um, I don't know if this changes his playing time much more. So if you already, if, if he is available in a 15 team league, you may have, and he probably isn't because the window to buy him was a few weeks ago, right before he got in that super hot streak. Um, and then he's cooled off. So if you think another one's coming, this may be the time to buy, but likely uh, uh, the second catcher has been all over the league. He's likely not, not available in too many leagues because of what he's done over the past 45 games. All right. Um, Jeffrey Springs is out uh, with uh, lower leg tightness, I think they're calling it. Um, and then Luis Patino is close to returning. Uh, is Springs just load management? I think so. Uh, you know, when you look at, you know, he made the jump from relief to the rotation. Uh, and at some point, the same thing with Rasmus. And Rasmus did it last year. And Springs, they needed to be able to do this. So to be able to call it this, I mean, the unfortunate part for Springs right now is this was going to be a two-start week. It was going to be Boston, uh, and I forget who's at the end of the week. Uh, but this would have been a two-start week, so that sucks uh, to lose a, the the two-step because he's been good against Boston too. Um, now, he did face Boston his last time out and was not great, but overall he has been uh, with that. I mentioned Patino in the notes because Patino, his last – his rehab start a couple of days ago was delayed by a blister. Uh, so, like, he's been – I had somebody tweeting at me asking, like, hey, having a tough time finding news on on Patino. So I wanted to include that to say that he had a blister issue. So that stalled him. I was not expecting Patino until after the All-Star break. Um, but even once he comes back, I don't know what the role is going to be. Uh, mm-hmm. It could be one time through the order guy. It could be the, the next guy out of the bullpen type of thing. Uh, he could be a piggyback starter with somebody like Springs. So if they want to limit Springs' outing, they can throw they can throw Patino on the backside of that or put him on the front side of it, however they want to play it. So if you're trying to forecast how many innings Patino could pitch between now and the end of the season, I would take the under at 50. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds about right. Uh, he did go – Five innings in one rehab start, and then three innings in his most recent rehab start. So maybe he goes a little bit deeper into games than I would have expected. But that being said, yeah, I agree. I'm I'm not banking on a ton of innings from Patino. Super disappointing uh, this year that he missed so much time. Um, All right, let's move away from the Rays. Uh, George Kirby was optioned uh, in a move that's surprising people, but shouldn't surprise you. You're going to see a few of these. Uh, kind of moving forward, this is load management. You're going to see guys get sent down to the minor leagues. Uh, you're like, well, why why'd they send him th- that pitcher down? It's just going to happen, right? Especially right now. This, I mean, yeah. remember, it, it's a it's a ten day. It's a day IL, not a game IL. Mm-hmm. So they could send it down now, and you get the you know you have the full week, so that's the seven days. But then the following week, it's the All Star break, and so yeah. he technically could come right back after the all-star break. And, and it's, it's pretty good. I have one thing as far as a strategy move you could do in a home league, because I, I, depending on your league, I know that if you pick up somebody, they have to stay in your lineup the period after you've acquired him, uh, acquired that player. And I know that's not applicable in FBC, but in, I know that's applicable in tout wars. I know it's applicable in, uh, in labor. I know it's applicable in uh, my home leagues. So, but the other part of some of those, like in the home league, we can't pick up somebody that's in the minor leagues, but in your home league, that may be different. So think about that next week when you got your fab coming up and let's say there's somebody you want to keep an eye on. You want to, you want to be aggressive and pick that player up. Next scoring period's only three games. And if you can carry somebody for three games, it's not, it's easier to carry somebody for three than it is for seven. So start doing your homework now, keeping that in line. Uh, keeping that in mind, rather, so you can have that ready and and, and jump on a few guys um, that you've been eyeing. Like, oh man, I can't believe this guy hasn't been called Galeers. I assume he's going to be up any day now. Now, when they trade Christian Betancourt, if he's not already, I may have missed news yesterday on that. But just look at a couple of guys you've been anxiously awaiting to come up 
um, for that and and look to grab them next week when you only have to carry them for three days. Absolutely. Yeah, that's for, uh, for sure. If, if you're looking on stash and a guy, especially if you are in a league where I hate that rule, by the way, I absolutely hate that rule that you have to start with someone. It kills me in top wars. Um, all right. I, I picked up, I picked up um, um, Coar uh, with, the, with <laughs> the Royals this week, and I picked him up because listening to Eno and Derek talk about him on the Rates and Barrels podcast, he was like, man, Coar uh, has got two more inches of ride on his fastball. He's got four more inches of sweep on his slider since he's come back. And I'm like, well, $2 bid, and I won him. I was like, sweet. I have to use him this week. But it's just like again, this is a keeper league, two dollars. And if he's gonna, if he's got that much movement change, I'm intrigued enough. Uh, where let's mm-hmm. see what happens because his current numbers are ugly. <laughs> yeah, I, I did it with uh, Esther Ruiz and also with um, Corbin Carroll in in Tawars. So hoping Ruiz is up here pretty soon, considering all their is- issues in San Diego with injuries right now. Uh, Mitch Garver is going to have season-ending uh, surgery. Uh, it's kind of a bummer. There had been a little bit of talk about this, um, but uh, since his return from the IL, uh, and there was a thought that maybe they would hold off till the end of the season uh, for this, but not the case. So he is droppable. Uh, Heim becomes even more interesting. Uh, any thoughts on this one? How I was I was texting somebody yesterday. I'm like, how how like weird slash cool would it be to be like, hey, you know what? Go DH all weekend. You, we know you're having surgery Monday. It's like go play, go do whatever. You know, it's, you're you're covered. We got you. Uh, and so he gets to do this, and 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 that's out there now. I I, I guess Sam Huff comes up. I I, think, I would assume so. Yeah. But the problem is Sam Huff can't throw anybody out. Uh, but not to say Miss Garver was, but Sam yeah. Huff terrible behind the plate and th- controlling the running game. And Joe Heim's not much better. The, Ra- the last time I looked, just about a week ago, the Rangers were the worst team in the league in slowing down the running game. So I would say factor in you know, if, if Huff is going to come up, then, you know, look for daily matchups, DFS opportunities, since, you know, and DraftKings steals over five points. Who's playing the Rangers? <laughs> Sam Huff back there? Go. Um, and, and do something like that. So that's, that's really the only reaction I have to that. I mean, I have Garber in uh have him in one league he's being cut tonight uh because i don't need him anymore obviously <laughs> so uh but that's really the only reaction i have was just the, the texas catching situation uh and how they're really bad at running game and you know if you're playing the playing the margins continue to look at who's catching uh for that team and how your manager likes to run because you should be running all day long against texas i think they have thrown out 12 percent of attempted base dealers this year and the league average wow. 27. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something, if you're looking for speed, um, I guess it's a good streaming tactic is kind of look who Texas has coming up this week and try to stream someone from the other team. I might be doing that in a few of my leagues this week. Uh, <laughs> Tyler O'Neill has uh, a tear in his right wrist uh, during rehab, uh, his rehab assignment. Uh, this is just a bomber because, I mean, he just has not been able to get it going this year and in, in, in part due to health. Would you drop Tyler O'Neill at this point? Hey, how about the league where I drafted O'Neill and Franco back-to-back? Yeah. Nice. Good, yeah. Good, 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 uh, good and the thing about the O'Neill tear is that they discovered it because he got hit on the wrist on his rehab assignment. So, hey, what is it with these minor league pitchers hitting major league guys on rehab assignment? Uh, but he got hit on the wrist – during his rehab assignment during that MRI is where they found the tear. So I can't imagine the, the, the plunking by the baseball is what caused the tear, but something did because they found it during that MRI. Uh, and so he is now in his, for in his terms, a few more steps away. We're like, I thought maybe he would be back after the break. It may not be that we may not see him the rest of this year. We don't know until they get some more work uh, and uh, take another look at this thing because a, a tear in the wrist, the only way that's going to heal is surgery, uh, and so that that would really suck. But yeah, if you're like me, you took you took Franco and uh, and O'Neill and back to back. It's yeah, just chalk it up to one of those years and uh, and move on. But it's like I said, it's been disappointing because he really hasn't been able to get it going. We know he's got all the physical tools to be an amazing fantasy player and a real baseball player, but he has had trouble staying on the field. Now it looks like he may not get back to it, or there's a chance he may not get back to it this year. Yeah, I, I think he is definitely droppable in leagues where you can't reserve him. Um, you know, obviously, if you've been reserving him, uh, then you you likely have a, the opportunity to just hold on to him. But until we have more information, but 
if you're struggling to keep, you know, the the back end of your roster together because you're holding so many injured guys and he's one of them, I think it's time to let him go. All right, let's uh let's talk some fab. I think the big prize this week's gonna be Nolan Jones. This is a kind of former top prospect that's just taken a while to get to the major leagues. Uh, he's 24 years old um, and eligible, I think, at just a third base right now, um, though he's played two games in right field since being called up. He hit uh, three home runs and stole four bases in 108 plate appearances in AAA with 311 uh, batting average. Uh, I think he's mostly known as kind of a, a you know raw power guy, um, you know, uh, though that didn't really show much in AAA this year. Are you going to be aggressive on Nolan Jones in any league? Uh, I may have to be. I don't know if I've got a choice in some of these leagues where I've got to replace these mm-hmm. players. Uh, it's you know his uh, his promotion kind of snuck up on me because I had yeah I was thinking about him when I saw the name on the rundown. I was like, wow, he is. Uh, and the reason why it kind of snuck up on me is because I was looking at my my 2021 AL Central bold predictions, and that was back then I had I had uh, Nolan Jones as my Cleveland bold prediction, saying he would be a top 450 player, and I, everything that I liked about him. And then in 2021, uh, you know, he didn't do much. He struck out a ton, but this year he's still doing the same thing. I mean, he's made some. As you look at the stat line, he has made improvements in his. Uh, in his walk rate and his reduced his strikeout rate, he's hitting for more of an average. He has not hit for power in the minor leagues uh, this year, but I would bring that up relevant to the major leagues because remember, no human over in AAA, at least mm-hmm. in the international league where he's playing. There is one uh, there. So if the power hasn't, he had previously hit for power in AAA in 2021. He has not done so much this year, but if he's, if, uh, that means he's hitting for more of an average. I'm fine with that. So, I mean, Cleveland needs this. I don't know if anybody's noticed, but Jose Ramirez has been pretty much ass for the last month. I know he had a three-run home run last night, but look at his last 30-day numbers and, and credit uh, to at John PGH on Twitter for pointing this out a few times. Um, but Ramirez has been tough uh, to, to carry. I nearly benched him this scoring period uh, this weekend because of it. It's just been, you know, look, and it's just like, wait, man, my team keeps thinking, why? Oh, yeah, my my number one, my third overall pick um, and my, my top draft pick uh, has been stinking for the past month there. So Cleveland needs this type of help. Uh, you know, they're still carrying Miles Straw in the lineup, <laughs> uh, and that's not working well. So, um, yeah, I would like to be aggressive with this because the, the skills have previously been there. He's got some speed. He, now he's hitting for average. He's not striking out as much um, as he had in previous levels. But, again, the lack of power is concerning. So, you know, depending on your needs as a team, uh, you know, frame, frame it for what you're hoping to get and not what you think he, uh, not what you think he may be. Yeah, because the scouting grades at one point, his raw power had a 70 on it. Like, yeah, so that's the game power is 50. But this year, he has a total of four home runs and 117 plate appearances. Four. Well, he, he has a total of four home runs because he's got an almost 60% ground ball percentage in AAA. Like, I, he, it looks like he tried to correct some of the strikeout issues by just pounding the ball into the ground. Um, I understand people getting hey, excited. Yeah, I mean, it worked, but I mean, is that going to work at the major league level? I I don't know that it is. Um, I know people are really excited, especially hit a home run uh, already uh, since being called up. Uh, I think this is more of a uh, people getting excited because he's the, the, you know, best thing available this week. Like, I don't think he is that special of a player. um, And uh, I think he's a great week. You know, it's not a great week for them. <laughs> so, like, I I can understand people going, like, 30 40 bucks in a $1,000 fab league. I, I'm not going to go any more than that. Like, if if for some reason I've, I've got that much money in a league, which I don't in mo- most of my leagues. <laughs> I, in most of my leagues, I'm hovering around $100 or $200, and I'm not going to spend, you know, 30%, 40% of that um, in order to get him. Uh, there will be people who who do that though. They're going to be pe- like people are. There are going to be some people who drop a hundred um, plus dollars, you know, ten percent uh, or more of their remaining fab. Um, I would be more interested in him in a keeper league. Uh, you know, I'm not terribly excited about what he could do 
this year, but if I can get them cheap now in preparation for next year, I'd be all over that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Matt Carpenter, he's been some hitting home run. Someone tweeted out that the uh, the Rangers could definitely be using him right now. He was originally on a minor league deal with them, uh, but was cut because he was not uh, not uh, playing well enough um, to warrant a call up to the major leagues. Uh, with with Rizzo kind of being day to day right now, um, is Carpenter worth picking up? I mean, I have Carpenter in AL Tout, and I picked him up. And it's been nice because uh, I, I got him kind of on the cheap. But the problem has been the playing time. Like, oh, he's playing a lot this month. He has started looking at the game, started all but one game for them. But previously, he was barely playing. Like the week prior, he had a total of five at-bats. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had the injuries. And then here in June, he's had five, one, four, four, five, five, three. So uh, it's a matter of he he's like a nice option to have on the bench. But if they're healthy, he's not playing, and he's only pinch hitting. And so that's really the, the rough part of it uh, with it. And so it's, it's he's, two, he's on third level. He has 20 RBIs and 73 plate appearances. I mean, that's amazing production. Uh, and, yeah, the, the, the seven RBI game back. Back on, you know, he's had these uh, a lot of this production. He's had nine home runs and seventy-three plate appearances. And one of the reasons why I really don't want to get rid of him is, you know, the Yankees are what one hundred and fifty games in first place in the AL East. Eventually, they're going to start like keeping guys. They're going to start changing our lineup and start keeping guys fresh. And then it's going to be more opportunities for Carpenter to get in the lineup because there's no reason to put these guys out there every single day. They're going to have home field advantage wrapped up by middle of September at worst. And so, but there's going to be opportunities for him to get into the lineup more as they try to keep guys sharp, but not them into the ground because they're expecting a run all the way through October. I want to keep him, even if he doesn't have the full uh, the the full guaranteed path to playing time. I know in an AL only, you know, he's an absolute keep um, in a 15 team mixed league. I know it's tough if you've got a reserve, if you've got a bench spot. Uh, I'd rather keep him than taking a chance on one of these injury flyers coming back better than when he went on the injured injured list. I don't know. I, I mean, in a, in the only yeah. I mean, you just need bodies, right? Guys who are are on an active roster who are going to play some. In a mixed league, I just don't know that he's going to get enough playing time to warrant a roster spot. What you need is plate appearances, and you're not going to get full time plate appearances for a guy like that. I'd rather like go pick up like a Bobby Dahlbeck who's got three lefties this week, right? Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck. And then, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, you're talking my language. Yes. Yeah. So like, I just, I don't know. I don't. I don't think Carpenter has got enough staying power in, in the lineup to warrant. Even though, yeah, when he is in the lineup, he's hitting well. He's he's a great DFS player right now. Go ahead, go ahead and use him in DFS when he's in the lineup. But he's got multiple positions. I mean, if you're in a single league eligible format, he's first, third, outfield, and I believe second base. If, if you're in a daily moves lineup, that makes sense, right? Yeah. Because you can you can kind of bring him in and out of your roster when he's on there. But in weekly, man, if he's only playing three days a week, four days, a, like even in, in most four days a week, like that – not having him in those other two or three days a week, like those add up over the course of a season. I just, yeah, I don't know that it's worth it. Um, all right. What about uh, Josh Harrison, who, you know, has kind of taken on a, a fairly regular role. I um, mean, is on fire right now. Is he a guy you'd pick up? Cause he's multi-positional eligible. He is, uh, you know, and he got off to such a terrible start to the season. Uh, and his numbers were, God awful. I'm trying to th- figure out what's his path to playing time. Where's he going to stay in the lineup? Uh, because for whatever reason, Tony La Russa is in absolute love with Larry Garcia and Larry Garcia than he should. Uh, but Josh Harrison is, was on this team as a Swiss army knife to be used all over the roster. Um, and I don't believe he's being used enough. Uh, now that they're getting, you know, they're healthy. They got uh, Luis Robert back. Eloy Jimenez is back. Everybody's back in this lineup for the most part. I don't know if there's enough playing time. Like, put them in the same grouping as we just talked about Matt Carpenter. And if you want me to choose Carpenter or Harrison moving forward, I would rather have Carpenter. 
I don't know, man. He's played five of the last six games, uh, including four straight. They're finding a way to get him in a lineup, whether it's at second or third base. It's not like Moncada has done a ton to warrant then continuing to roll him out there. Uh, again, Lurie Garcia is his competition kind of at second base. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I think it's a short-term play, but if you're looking for a guy who uh, is multi-position eligible, um, is on fire right now, but playing pretty much every day, um, I'm going with Harrison over Carpenter for sure. Hey, because uh, you brought him up, is Moncada even draftable next year in a 12-team mixed league? I don't think he is. Um, and, I mean, I I was arguing that he was kind of borderline to begin with coming into this year. So, like, I mean, at, at what point do we just say, hey, we got to stop paying for the prospect pedigree of a few years ago? Like, I, you know, yeah, he, he was an uber prospect, um, you know, was part of a huge trade. Uh, he's got great name value, but that's all he is at this point. It's I, it's he's 27, and there's nothing. The only thing keeping him in the major leagues is probably his contract. Uh, it's just like he's been awful. The, the defense has been above average. So the mm-hmm. NY is that's still showing up, but everything else has been ass, just pure hot flaming ass uh, of. And I forgot where his ADP, but yeah, I know a lot of people you look at. It was like 150, 160-ish. I mean, it was not like you – it was not nothing. Like you were you were paying a top 10-round price in a 15-teamer and, you know, top 15-round price in a 12-teamer. Like it just um, – and there's just not a ton to look at it uh, – to look at and go, oh, this, you know – this is what we should be grasping on to. I mean, we're talking about a guy with an 88-mile-an-hour exit velocity, uh, a 6.9 barrel percentage, which is not nice. Um, and uh, He has as many steals as you and me combined. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, he's not, he's not even walking anymore. And that was always one of the good things about him is that he at least earn a walk. He doesn't even do that anymore. He has nine runs scored this year. I mean, that's that's unreal. Like, I mean, I I almost have that many. <laughs> it's uh, unbelievable. Yeah, no, I mean, he, I, there are going to be people who go back to the well on it. They're going to be like, look at this huge discount. There's a reason it's discounted because he has shown nothing, yeah. you know, since, what, 2020? Like, yeah. I mean, he, he's Holly, just... Marvin Bin is, is uh, hesitant to put him on a shelf right now. Oof, that's bad. Yeah, I mean, they they should be sending him down quite honest but the problem is they don't have even the players right now you got to wonder if they're going to you know second base or third base is a position they're gonna kind of target in uh um in trades uh coming Possibly. up here at the deadline I mean, they gotta do something to catch the orioles in the standings so <laughs> um speaking of jonathan vr who you were talking about earlier trying to trade uh, to get more assets, he ended up in the, uh, Los Angeles with the Angels, and I think he was leading off last night. Yep. Um, how aggressive would we be on Jonathan VR right now? So uh, in the the league I mentioned, I spent twenty four dollars of my hundred dollar budget. I, I about half of what I had left. But we have a hundred dollar budget. I spent twenty four because if I spend twenty five, I have to keep them next year or pay that into the pool. And so uh, I am looking to build for the future. So I bought him with the hopes of trading him uh, with that. So that's why I was aggressive, but I like VR coming into the season quite a bit. He was a, a late teens target for me. Disappointing. Cause I thought he would, I thought I wasn't expecting him to repeat what he did with Baltimore uh, a few years ago, but I thought in Chicago with a chance he'd be really good and have the opportunity to do that. He didn't do well in Chicago. Uh, and so he, he is with angels now who need that kind of player uh, and so he should have the opportunity to fail. I mean, look at some of the guys they've been running out there uh, at some of those positions that he's now playing uh, with there. So I would be aggressive, especially for speed. Speed is really tough to find in season. Um, and this is a guy who stole 40 bases not too long ago. Uh, and so he's already got seven for the season. He's got one since he's been with the Angels. Uh, he is somebody that I would be aggressive on, but I would also aggressively drop him if he doesn't show production in July. I'm not. I'm not looking at him as a as a full season plan. He's got a 
he's on a week by week contract on my team. If he's playing well, he's going to stay. If he's not, he's out. Yeah, I mean the fact that the Angels are willing to hand him lead off is um, good enough for me to take a gamble on. I'm not overspending here, but uh, that Angels lineup is just a mess right now. Like, yeah, unreal. I mean, you've got two generational talents on the same roster, and the rest of that team. Yeah, that's the rest of the team is just a mess, unfortunately. But yeah, Viar's a guy. Um, I'm a little bummed because I did drop him in a couple leagues when he got DFA'd uh, by the Cubs, uh, and I, I probably should have waited a little bit, but I just didn't have the roster flexibility to do that. Uh, but yeah, he's a guy. If you're looking for speed, I don't know if there's a better gamble right now than Jonathan Viar. Plus, they're in that Rangers division, so maybe a little extra time. Oh well, yeah, good point. <laughs> I wonder how many games they have left against the Rangers. That's a really good point. So, because I mean, you uh, have to figure Phil Nevin would let them would let them run as long as he's not helping fights. Uh, I want to look that up. I still that the well, whole thing that Anthony Rendon coming out to getting a fight with a cast on his wrist is like, come on, man. Uh, all right, so they have games against Texas at the end of this month. There you go. Uh, and they have another series starting on my birthday in late September, and then they close this. They have a series at the end, so they have nine. They have nine more games against the Rangers. Ten. I'm sorry. They have ten more games against the Rangers the rest of the way. That's not nothing. I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. So, by the way, the only team, the only the, the team, the next team, the Rangers are the worst. The next team is VR's own team. VR's own team is terrible at controlling, and so are the Twins. Uh, look at the way the Twins are doing, and he's got – they've got three games against the Twins as well. I'm sorry, they have six games against the Twins. So there's some good running opportunity for VR the rest of the season if he remains with the Angels with 16 games against two of the worst teams control, controlling the running game in baseball. Uh, last hitter, hitter we're going to talk about is Eddie Rosario, who is finally back from – uh, an eye issue uh, off the IL. Already has a home run and stolen base. Are you going to be aggressive on Eddie Rosario if he's available in your leagues? What he did the last year, yeah. Uh, it's it's good to see that the uh, yeah, there wasn't. I'm always concerned when the guy's got that much of a layoff um, with it. But after after what he did last year uh, for Atlanta, uh, I am willing to be aggressive and, and see if he's got more in the tank. Because remember last year he was a double double guy. And most of what he did was down the stretch uh, for them. So I'm interested in seeing what he's going to do. Now that he can actually see the base of that. So, yes, I'll be aggressive. Not only was he a double-double guy last year, he dominated the postseason. Uh, 383, three home runs in uh, a stolen base in, in that postseason, uh, helping the Braves win the World Series. I've, I've always been a Rosario guy, so I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker for him. I'll definitely be attacking him in foul today. Um, I actually picked him up in Tout Wars last week. Um, I, you know, and luckily uh, got to just throw him in my lineup this week. So uh, hopefully uh, people get a little aggressive, especially you need outfield. Not a ton out there, especially offensively in Fab this week. Let's talk about some pitching. Josh Winder, uh, he is back. This one burns me because I dropped him in a bunch of leagues when they demoted him. Um, <laughs> And so, like, including, like, I think both of my main events, or at least one of my main events, uh, and definitely the, the main event that's doing well right now, uh, any contention to win that league. Uh, so this kind of burns me. He's got a two-start week this week. Are you picking up Josh Winder? I have him in two leagues. He's in the lineup in both leagues. And he's somebody that I'm intrigued in for the rest of the season because we earlier we were talking about uh, workload management, and the Twins have that in spades. We look at their roster uh, between a guy like Smeltzer, between Archer, who's now on the IL, uh, between Joe Ryan, and they desperately need another starting pitcher, desperately. Uh, we look at the workloads of those three names that I just mentioned uh, and then where where they're at this season compared to where they were last year. They're going to run out of gas if they don't get help. Uh, you know, Montas makes a ton of sense for that roster if, if Montas' shoulder shows that he's good. But Minnesota absolutely needs another starting pitcher. But in the meantime, uh, you figure Josh Winder, uh, Winder, Winder, uh, covering both bases there. Uh, I, I, could, I uh, remember step in. Yeah, yeah, I, I like him. I think it's Win Press when I've seen him pitch. I saw him pitching earlier. Uh, but I would, I like him because he's got to be part of that relief plan for some of these guys that they're pushing as far as they can push. 
Yeah, I, I like I like him a lot. Um, you know, he's a guy I got aggressive on in Fab when he was on the IL uh, because he knew he was coming back. The only issue with him, obviously, is he's not a big strikeout guy. So if you're if you're strikeout seeking, you may want to go a different direction. But if you're looking for wins, um, looking for guys not going to blow up ratios. Uh, I mean, so far three twelve ERA, uh, one twenty four WHIP. Like I, I think he can be a really valuable kind of mid piece to your rotation. Uh, rest of the way. Um, Reed Detmers is back uh, with the Angels. Do we care? No. No, it was kind of surprising when he went down, I guess, in the regard because, oh, he threw a no-hitter and then he got demoted. It's like, okay, we've known he's had his problems uh, previously. Uh, I don't care about Reed Detmers until he gets the home run under control. Uh, when a guy's got a 1-6 home run per nine in this current environment, that to me is a huge red flag. Yeah, um, it, I mean, the last outing was really nice. It was at Baltimore, which, as we've talked about on numerous occasions, is playing like such like a pitcher's park right now that, uh, you know, it's really protecting some of these uh, Orioles pitchers, but also protects guys when they're on the road in Baltimore now. Um, the, the nice thing is we're starting to see some strikeouts, right? Seven yeah. strikeouts in six innings in his last start, um, you know, in his final start, you know, before being demoted against Kansas City where he got blown up, he still got six strikeouts. The problem was he gave up those two home runs that you're kind of referencing. Um, this matchup, his matchup this week, uh, went down, by the way, um, and threw a six-inning uh, start in uh, in AAA, and the only AAA start got uh, 14 strikeouts. Um, yeah, so um, that's a really good sign that we're starting to see him you know, straight guys out. The home runs are going to be an issue, and I believe his start this week is against Houston. So if you are in one of those leagues where you have to play him when you pick him up, like in Tautworth, like he's available in Tautworth right now. I'm not going to put much of – he's like my fourth or fifth pitcher. That like I've got Spencer Watkins um, above him in, in my bids. Like I'm, I'm, I, he is clearly just a backup guy for me. Um, backup bid guy for me this week. I know other people are going to be more aggressive. I, I'm not going to be, especially with that uh, w- with that Houston start, and then you know things get reset after that with the All Star break. So, uh, what about uh, Brian Bello, uh, who's a from story a prospect coming up? Um, there was talk that he was probably going to go back down after his last start, but it looks like because of an injury, he's going to get another turn in the rotation, maybe against your Rays. Are you picking up, uh, are you picking up Bello? So I want to, because, you know, he's got, I know uh, Paul, you know, listening to you guys talk the other day, uh, Paul was super excited about him. Uh, Maybe a lot of people were like, oh, this guy sucks after the first outing. Uh, Cause he, you know, in the minors, high strikeouts, high ground ball rates. So a lot to like in the first outing, uh, major league debut uh, and it it did not go as expected. So the good news for him is he gets to make it a very short memory because he faces the same team five, six days later. But as we've already said, uh, a team has been decimated by injuries. And if he gets a two-step this week and his first is against that lineup who just lost its best hitter. Yeah. I I would like to get him this week. So uh, yes, I absolutely would be uh, a great because they're the issue uh, Rich Hills looks like he's still going to be out for a couple more weeks. He have sweet time coming back with the front with the, with the back issue, uh, and so yes, I, I would like to see what Bell. I would expect a much better outing from him this time around. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't want to overspend because I don't know what the longevity is going to look like in that rotation. Um, it kind of really depends on what the Red Sox decide to do at the trade deadline. Do they try to trade away? these Rich Hill kind of, you know, Michael Walker kind of assets, um, or do they just roll with them, try to see if they can kind of, you know, get one, get one of these extra playoff spots or not. Um, I just, I just worry that once those guys are healthy, he's going back down. And so I don't want to overspend, but it is really, really tantalizing. Like you said, right. High strikeout rate uh, in the minor leagues, high ground ball rate. We're talking about like a sub 20% fly ball percentage. Uh, and so he shouldn't be giving up very many home runs. Um, you know, his, you know, it's all going to come down to his control. Can he keep guys off 
uh, off the uh, bases uh, via the free pass. Um, but uh, I think he's a really, really interesting prospect. Um, and I definitely – I think he kind of falls in kind of like the second or third in, in terms of my preference because uh, the next guy is Glenn Otto, who's coming off a good start and has a two-start week this week, I think, against Oakland and Seattle. I'm going to double-check that real quick. But um, let's see, Texas got – yeah, Oakland and Seattle – so that's a pretty good two-step. Are you picking up Glenn Otto? Uh, I already have Glenn Otto. I have him in three leagues. Uh, he's somebody that I targeted coming into the season. Uh, and then once he got dropped, I ended up picking him up in another league. Uh, I've liked watching him pitch that he's had his moments. I know he's also had his struggles in some of the games. He missed uh, a good chunk of time with uh, COVID. You know, his his hit on COVID was, was not a short stint on the IL. It's just the only thing that holds me back from getting super excited about him is the walks. I mean, he, he has had three or more walks in each of his last five starts, but he's still gone two and three during that time. He just doesn't work deep in the game. So if you're somebody looking for wins, uh, you know, this is not, it, it runs the risk of the matchups. Like he, his, uh, he faced Seattle about a month ago, beat him five innings, two runs, five walks, four strikeouts. Um, and he has yet to face Oak. Uh, I'm sorry, he opened the season against Oakland, beat them as well. Five innings, five strikeouts, one walk. Um, so I've had Otto in two AL only leagues, and I have them in a mix that I've used them as a streamer depending on the matchups. Uh, but the last couple of times I've used them haven't been great. But this week, if you know, I think Paul said it multiple times. Uh, Jeff has said it. It's like, if you can't start a guy in a two-start week, why do you have him? Uh, this would be a great example. You got Otto. He's got Seattle. He's got Oakland. If you can't use him this week, then you better drop him tonight. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he is, I mean, outside of Winder, Winder, can't, again, can't remember which one. Um, he's my favorite pickup just because of the matchups. Um, and he's coming off of one of his better starts. I believe both of his matchups are at home as well they are so not that oakland or seattle bad places pitch in either way but you know home for him is a good place to pitch as well he's not a big strikeout guy but i think if you're gonna get an opportunity to get two wins against you know some teams that aren't necessarily best in the league i know seattle's been playing better as of late uh but i think this is uh a, a pretty decent shot if you're that's looking that's for right that recent one though against washington i remember that was the last time i streamed i'm like sweet washington Six mm -hmm. or two innings. It's like, come on, man. And, and the hard part is, the hard part is, there's not a ton of strikeout upside, right? He's not a guy that we're expecting. Like, um, like he's probably not going to get seven plus strikeouts in the game. He's done that like once this season. He has seven strikeouts yeah. one time this season against the Angels. So, uh, like, there is some risk to it. But uh, his teammate also has a two start week this week. Spencer Howard, the same two start. Um, speaking of risk, there's a lot of tantalizing upside in, in Spencer Howard, but there's some risk. Any chance you're going to risk it with Spencer Howard? Unlikely. I, I, I remember Spencer Howard was somebody that I had, uh, I think I took in a, he may be on one of my draft champions leagues. I think I remember at one point, Ellen Adair was talking about him as one of her favorite. Lookups. I don't know if it was when she guested with us the last time, or she was on somebody else's, but I remember uh, the, you know the whole Philly connection with mm -hmm. that. But he, he has he falls into that group of oh the pedigree, but the pedigree and the results remain miles apart, miles. Uh, and no, if I can only pick one, it's going to be out of like fifteen days of the week uh, on this. I I really need to see, I really need to see uh, Howard do something at the major league level other than give up home runs because that's all he's done at the major league level. Yeah, like he, I don't know he's gonna go deep in five innings. Nineteen. I don't know that he's gonna be able to go deep enough into games to I, I mean I know he was going five and even went seven in his last minor league start, but his you know first major league start back only went four innings against the Orioles, two strikeouts in those four innings. I've got him in my bids. He's pretty low though in those bids. Like I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, I, I'll throw a buck at him. And if I he's can, in the trickle of your water, yeah, he, he's at the bottom of the water. Bowl. 
Yeah, <laughs> you you know the part of a waterfall. It's all white and foamy at the bottom. That is Spencer Howard at this point. Perfect. Perfect. So, uh, last starter we're going to talk about is Marcus Stroman coming back from uh, uh, injury. Uh, I think he's – is he pitching today or did he pitch yesterday? I can't remember. Um, did not look the matchups today. Uh, but he's going to be available in some of your 12s where he was dropped. Um, let's see. He, he – oh, no, he must have pitched yesterday or maybe he pitches. Let's see. Because – dun, dun, dun. I know this is boring for everybody, but um, he he pitched yesterday through four innings, uh, struck out three, two hits, allowed one walk. So a little bit of a shorter outing coming back uh, from injury against. But that's a pretty good line against the Dodgers. Um, are you uh, is he going to be a top pickup priority for you? Uh, if you're looking for starting pitching right now. Yeah, I mean, he threw 59 pitches last night. Uh, so you have to figure it's not surprising in, in somebody's first game back uh, with that. But you have to figure that'll progress moving forward. Uh, he's in absolutely no danger of being traded. Because uh, he's in the first of a would be uh, somebody, but he's in a first of a three year deal that he made with Chicago. So he will stay put. Uh, but the you know you have to wonder how many wins he could get. But the NL Central uh, is bad. If you've read uh, one of Joe Sheehan's recent uh, newsletters, he talks about like the NL Central as a co collectively is like a hundred lost team. Uh, is that how they're playing compared to some of the other divisions? Uh, and so the fact that he gets to play against a lot of those teams uh, should help put him in a decent position. And so yeah, I would like to have Stroman on my roster if he is available moving forward. Yeah, I think he. Um, in leagues, he's not available in any leagues I'm in, but in leagues where he is available, that's going to be some tens and twelves. Uh, he should probably be a top priority, uh, especially if you're looking more towards the rest of the season as opposed to just this week. Obviously, uh, Winder has a, a, a decent two step this week and might push him up if you're just looking for a streamer. But I think Strowman obviously has staying power, uh, and is a pretty good established play right there. So uh, what about Brett Martin? Um, the Rangers have kind of been doing some reshuffling of the bullpen, uh, going to be putting Joe Barlow in more uh, low leverage situations. Brett Martin has come in the last two days and gotten the save. Um, in these outings, um, pretty much every member of the bullpen has pitched, and he's been the guy in the ninth. So is he now the guy in Texas, or are you running the wire to pick him up? Uh, it kind of reminds me how how Joe Barlow got the job in the first place. It's like mm -hmm. the opportunity presented itself. Barlow was like, okay. Uh, and honestly, Barlow has held on to that job a lot longer than most of us thought he would coming into the season. Yeah, absolutely. He like, or he was one of the guys that we said, you know, if everything else has gone wrong, like, okay, he's there. Like, the, And I would say the same thing with Greg Soto. It's like Greg Soto, we all expected him to melt down, and there he is still closing games out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it gives some more uh, fuel to the, you know, weight on closers. On one end of that, you got Josh Hader, who's absolutely produced the value of taking where he was taken. Uh, and then you've got your Sotos and your Bednars and your Barlows, who were the, what well, I would say, what, tier three closers, tier four that we all talked mm -hmm. about. And here they are just doing the job uh, down there. So when you look at, when you look at Martin, it's just the extremely high ground ball rate is rather attractive. Uh, and so if you are going to look, if the, um, uh, Oh God! What's the manager's name? Chris something. Why am I drawing? I want Woodward, to say Taylor. Woodward. Woodward. Thank you, yeah. Chris Woodward. I can see that all the you know the five the perpetual five o'clock shadow that he always has. Chris Woodward. Uh, you know, it's it's what attracted him to hey, let's try Joe Barlow in that role. Well, why not try Brent Martin in that? Role? I only remember his name because I was so flabbergasted uh, when they hired him. I was like, oh, my God, I thought he was going to turn into a star as a player. I drafted him in my home league every year thinking he was going to turn into a star. <laughs> um, I agree. Like, I mean, this is a team that, like, it definitely has some options um, that it could use in the ninth, right? Matt Bush is still on this team. He's got closing experience. Matt Moore is on this team. But they have a ton of lefties. Like, they don't need to have a, a, a righty-lefty bias in terms of who closes out in the ninth. Uh, and Martin's been the guy they've gone to the last two starts. He is 27 years old, um, and but he is uh, he's like under team control until 2026, I believe. So like they've got some pretty decent team control on the guy. Um, and I think he could be the guy right now 
he's the only guy really in fab that I'd be looking to uh, spend money on if you're looking for saves. So I don't know that you need to be super, super aggressive, um, but uh, yeah, 20, 30 bucks. I think uh, that is uh, what I would probably throw on a guy like Brett Martin right now. I haven't seen him pitch yet. Not Brett Martin, uh, but I have not seen him pitch, but the name that just came back in my head was Jose LeClerc. I know he's back on the roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, prior to him going down with, with TJ, you know, he had this job, was doing extremely well in this job. Then the, you know, right towards the end, oh, hey, I'm having control problems. And then, oh, my elbow just gave out. Uh, but you think back to 2018 when he was just dominating uh, there. It's like I wonder if he could come back and play because he's still only 28 years old. He's only got they the also ending. paid him. That's true. Remember, they gave him they gave him the long term contract. I think they'll give him some time to work back. Because he's got uh, 20 he's got club options the next two seasons, so they may want to yeah. see him get some work done before they decide to give him that club option. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I think Jose Leclerc might be an um, interesting pickup in deeper leagues um, where you can kind of stash a reliever long term. Uh, but I think they, they're probably, because let's see how many outings has he had since he's gotten back. Oh, I guess he's been back for almost a month. I didn't even realize that. Um, he has not pitched well necessarily in that month. So uh, kind of wait and see right now on Jose Leclerc. Uh, and um, and see if uh, maybe he can get things back together. Maybe he is the guy they go to at some point. All right, Jason, that's going to wrap us up for this episode. Remind where people reach you at and what you're working on. Uh, at Twitter, at that handle in the video, uh, at Jason Collette. Uh, Rotowire uh, Collette Calls column this week. I talked about uh, No Sport for Old Men uh, was, the, uh, was the article that went up uh, this past Friday. Basically looking at how the aging curve appears to have accelerated quite a bit for some of the older players. And we often talk about you know, the, the, the old adage, safe old veteran, boring old veteran, uh, and risky young guy. But this year, it's been risky old guy, too. I mean, yeah, Paul Goldschmidt's mm-hmm. been amazing. Uh, and, you know, Paul Goldschmidt was being taken in the fifth round because pretty much they're like, there's no upside to Goldschmidt. Well, look what he's doing. There's been a ton of upside to him. But for the most part, the, the guys age 33 and older have, have underperformed. I mean, Whit Merrifield's one of the big guys that come to mind. Joey Votto struggles. Some of it's injury, but the injury is part of being old, too. Uh, you know, I, I turned 50 in two months, and I was looking today. I got reminded on Facebook. Uh, I had knees, I had my last shoulder surgery five years ago today, and I was like, man, I haven't had a reconstructive surgery in five years. What's wrong with me? Right, it's you know the the, the scooter two thing. Uh, I don't know if that's reconstructive, but that's been three years almost. Uh, so it's uh, actually it has been just over three years. And by the way, scooters are now in my hometown. So um, the uh, but so I'm looking. I wrote that up and looked at some of the older players. So it's like heading in the next year. It's like I, I want to look at doing more of a balance between. I want to be just as concerned about having too much age in my roster as too much youth as well. Uh, and, and not just like, oh, it's it's safer to go with the older guy. It really has not been this year. And if this is the new environment for baseball with the way the baseball and how it's being handled and produced, uh, then I, I, I don't want to. I want to really focus as much as I can on, on the wonder years uh, and then balance the rest of the, my roster with the risk of youth and um, and age. And right now, I want to, the article I want to work on today, as soon as I get the data, is looking at those uh, those players that have had hammond injuries and looking at that month prior because uh, you know it, it may be easy in NFBC to like oh he's just out of cut but if it's like if you got to look at something if you're trying to make plans for Wander Franco what do you do what can you expect from him if you're like nope I'm holding on to him I, I I'm hoping he's going to be back in September it's like what have we seen previously from guys four to six weeks out of re- returning from that hammond surgery what could we expect. And then let people make their own decision based on the data. Uh, so I'm trying to find that uh, th- that kind of database because even the roster resource one, it doesn't list hand injuries for hitters. Uh, and so I can't find anybody in there with a Hammond injury. And I found Jeff Zimmerman's 2017 database, but I, I want like something recent. So I've reached out to a few people on Twitter to be like, hey, somebody have this database. Uh, so if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I know where this database is, um, please send it along because I would love to get this article done um, by tomorrow. Uh, but I. I have not yet found the data source that I need for it. Uh, have you checked with Derek Rhodes? Uh, that I have not done. Check with He's him. He's not one of the people that I read. Okay. 
check with him. He, he's he's got a lot of good de- uh, injury data uh, data injury stuff. Uh, look at uh, BP too and see if if it's up in there already. Hey, Derek's got some great stuff. He's a great follow on Twitter too. Uh, definitely go follow him uh, over there as well as Jason. You follow me on Twitter at Justice Mason FWFB. Uh, writing daily uh, row write up over at Fangraphs uh, on this podcast and the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast. And at some point here in the near future, I'll be restarting TGFBI and might have a little bit uh, of announcement thing later today, but got to make sure uh, I have that all figured out. So go check me out on Twitter if you're catching up uh, on uh, on the podcast and hear this. So uh, for Jason and myself, thank you for listening. A fantastic baseball season. <laughs>